Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So my guest on the podcast today is writer and podcaster Sarah Buddery. Hello. Hello there. Thank you so much for having me on. This is very exciting to talk to someone else who dissects something in as much detail as we're doing on our Jaws podcast. (laughs) Yeah, although we were saying before we started recording, Jaws deserves this level (laughs) of analysis, whereas this TV show is something else and I'm just putting myself through it for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very, very different. But uh, yeah, it's uh, this is a this is an interesting episode. We'll we'll get to that. But yeah. <laughs> so to start with, I'd like to know what is your history with S Club 7? And have you ever seen this TV show before? Yeah, so as a, a kid of the 90s, um, I imagine a lot of people say the same thing, but you couldn't help but uh, like S Club 7. They and Steps were sort of like the big bands that I was into when I was a kid. Um, but what's funny is that I had almost entirely forgotten that this TV show existed uh, until you sent me a message on Twitter and were like, hey, do you want to come on the podcast? And it, it was just in that message that I was like, oh my goodness, I remember that show. I remember it being on <laughs> CBBC. So I would have seen it like after getting home from school or something like that. And I couldn't really remember any specific episodes. I remember it being very bad and I certainly have not gone back to it uh, since. Um, and no real sort of uh, memories of this specific episode that we're that we're going to talk about. So I feel like I was coming at it fairly fresh, but I at least know of this show's existence and have seen it before, even if I don't remember it uh, particularly well. Yeah, we're basically the same age I think late 20s mm-hmm. and I think pretty much everyone our age watched it but then we've all just collectively erased <laughs> it from our minds and just nobody mentions it obviously it's weird because S Club 7 are still very much remembered as a band mm. you know if you go out on a night out like a cheesy pop night or whatever they'll come up and everyone knows the words but the show is almost like a separate entity that we've just collectively forgotten about maybe by choice yeah it is a bit like a fever dream this show like even as you're watching it you are kind of like did did this exist (laughs) am i the only person who watched this but as uh as proven it absolutely does exist and uh more people than you would think do remember it so (laughs) so today we're talking about la7 episode 11 
which is called Making Movies. Uh, it really isn't as glamorous as it sounds. <laughs> and it aired on CBBC on the 15th of June in the year 2000. And yeah, I'm going to apologize right off the bat because this is not the most interesting episode, it turns out. So I'm sorry for making <laughs> you watch it. I, I know you don't have the rest of the series for context, but for me, this one in particular felt a lot like filler. And I've actually got about a page fewer notes than usual. <laughs> like, for example, I think this is the one episode so far that's got two songs in it. Usually it's just one song. Mm. But here we get a pretty uneventful montage <laughs> that lasts for an entire song. And then at the end, they perform the whole of S Club Party on top of a building, which is just completely disconnected from everything. It's just like a music video. Mm-hmm. And did you feel like it was quite sort of a filler, a filler-tastic episode? Yeah, and, and not having much memory of the show in general, I think in a way this was probably a fairly good episode for me to watch because I don't think it requires any context of the wider series or events that sort of happen before and after this because it basically feels like it's its own thing it's incredibly random i how they how they end up in the position of of making this film is strange in itself and then <laughs> half of the episode is the incredibly awful low budget film that they end up making so it's a very odd episode, but yeah, having having not seen the rest of the series probably since the 90s, early 2000s, then this was maybe a good one uh, to bring me on for because I don't think you need that much uh, extra information to kind of get stuck into this episode. So Yeah, it's quite sort of self-contained, isn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah. And oh, I mean... It's it's worse than I remember, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, just the show in general, I mean. But yeah, it, not only... Uh, I don't know if on other episodes you sort of praised their acting abilities, but I I don't oh, think... Oh, no. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> like, Oscar-worthy performances. Um, they have... Some of them have their moments, but sure. yeah, overall, it's very varied and... <laughs> The fact that they're making a film in this episode as well. There's some interesting American accents later on. Yeah, so not only can they not act as themselves, but then they also can't act in a film. So, it's I mean, it's pretty meta, this episode, if we're trying to find uh, something, something good about it, I guess. But it's, yeah, very interesting. <laughs> Lots to talk about, I feel. Yeah. I liked how on YouTube there's a comment under this episode which says <laughs> the episode seems weak halfway through with a meandering story, but the end totally saves it. <laughs> with yeah. totally in capital letters, like the end knocks it out of the park. And I'm not sure what they're referring to. Are they just referring to the S Club party sort of music video at the end? Like that mm. totally saved it. Yeah, I mean that song is an all-time banger and it is still a great song um i can remember knowing that dance routine pretty much start to finish as i'm sure yourself Mm -hmm. and many others (laughs) probably did as well one thing that did irritate me about i know we're jumping right towards the end now but that irritated me about that music video sequence at the end 
is that all of the band, apart from Bradley, are in sort of matching or at least coordinated black and red. And he's just in this grey ensemble. And did he not get the memo? Did he just not care? Is he just doing his own thing and freewheeling? But yeah, when you're going to that much effort to make everyone else look like they have at least planned the outfits for this, it was a strange choice for him to be the only one who wasn't (laughs) yeah i wrote that down everyone's in like coordinated black and red ensembles and bradley is just entirely in gray (laughs) it's you know like when you did like a a kind of school play or something and you all had to bring in your own costumes and then somebody like forgot to tell their parents (laughs) about it and they just had to wear what they were wearing it just feels like that it's really and weird like lack of attention to detail yeah, I mean, do better, surely. They they went to considerable efforts to have the correct costumes and things for the film that they made. Um, but then in this <laughs> segment at the end, I don't know, just uh, something lacking there for me. And of all the things to pick up on that were bad in this, um, I'm surprised that that's where we've gone to first. But <laughs> we'll get it out the way and then we can dive into the rest of uh, the choices that this episode makes. So we begin with the band hanging out at the house. Hannah is feeling reflective. She says, you know what I'm thinking, Johnny John? This is a new thing. This hasn't come up before, this nickname. And John is like, oh, I don't know, Hanny Han. Why aren't butterflies called margarine flies? And she, mm. it turns out she's thinking that the trouble with LA is that it's so big, nobody notices you. She points out some ants on the kitchen floor and says... They're the equivalent of us in LA, insignificant. Very Mm. profound stuff from Hannah at the top. Yeah, surprisingly profound, actually. And I was like, is this going to be a recurring theme throughout this episode where these ants keep sort of cropping up? And they they have a a real moment uh, in the next bit when Joni arrives. But yeah, is uh, is this uh, uncharacteristically philosophical from from Hannah? Or is this... uh, normal thing (laughs) um she's usually the 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 sort of kooky one um Mm. well later on when they're talking about how they're going to get rid of the ants i think that sort of comes out then because she's being all sort of like oh we can't kill them we have to like take them somewhere and spin (laughs) them around so they can't find their way back that's what (laughs) hannah's usually like so this is quite out of character i think maybe Mm. that's why john asks her um are you thinking about why butterflies aren't called margarine flies? Because that's mm. probably the sort of thing she's usually going on about. But no, right. she's being surprisingly profound. Mm. There's a whole thing about Bradley getting up late. He comes downstairs and is sort of grunting and everyone's like, oh, good afternoon, Bradley, even though they're all clearly eating breakfast. <laughs> so I'm not sure how late it actually is. It's not like the afternoon or anything. Yeah, and then there's the sort of uh, Paul apparently speaks fluent Bradley, which he likens to Japanese. And I've, yeah. I've <laughs> been on and off learning Japanese for about a year, and uh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't sound anything, <laughs> anything like Japanese. Uh, so that's an interesting choice, also. But Rachel apparently is is not as good as uh, she's not quite so multilingual and cannot understand what he is saying but tries anyway and um yeah it's it's very much the morning right i mean paul is literally sit, sat there 
eating cereal. So I don't think yeah. it's, it's not the afternoon or the evening, or I don't think it is at least, but yeah. Leave, leave Bradley alone. Maybe he just was having a little cheeky lion. Yeah, they're just picking on Bradley. Bless him. <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> so Tina is on her way home from somewhere. She bumps into uh, Joni, their landlady, outside the house, mm-hmm. who kind of has a bit of a rant to her. She says, Tina, if you ever think about having a relationship with a man, then think again and think again and just don't do it. So she's clearly having some sort of relationship problem that we're setting up. And Mm. Tina doesn't care. She just kind of backs away (laughs) into the house. And throughout this whole episode, Tina is weirdly kind of harsh and dismissive towards Joni. Um, I don't think this has happened before, as far as I remember. But like in the next scene where she's kind of, well, Joni spots these um, this trail of ants outside, doesn't she? Mm -hmm. And so she gets on her hands and knees and follows the ants which results in her crawling into the house. And Tina looks at her and just kind of goes, oh, just take no notice. It's probably some kind of new age ritual. <laughs> yeah. So rude. A little harsh. Um, I I don't know much about this Joni character. Does she pop up in a lot of episodes? Or Yeah, well, they're kind of... She just kind of pops around and they all, they're just, they just treat her like she's a bit of a nuisance for no reason, really. <laughs> and the attitude is very like, oh, you're so old and you're such a spinster, Joni. Like it's that sort of attitude. And she, I think she deserves more sympathy. Hmm. She's never really kind of bonded with the band, even though as it comes up in a minute, she's, you know, she's letting them stay in her flat. They're hardly ever paying her rent. (laughs) The place is an absolute state and they all just treat her with absolute disdain. Yeah, I I feel like she comes out about the best in this episode and what they end up doing to her is surprisingly (laughs) dark and also pretty cruel yeah it's like this whole relationship thing that she is going through they basically to to stop her from calling her boyfriend ex-boyfriend or whatever they put these big oven gloves on her but then at some point it doesn't specify when she is then like tied down to a bed it's all a bit uh Stephen King's misery not a fan (laughs) yeah that's what I thought as well in the very last scene at the end she's just suddenly tied to a bed and and the band are all I think out at the time so I kind of thought has she done that to herself and if so (laughs) how because I don't think you can tie both of your hands to a bed unless it is a misery situation and someone has come around in the meantime and she's uh I don't know had a bit of fun and then it's gone badly wrong yeah, many, many questions about how she finds herself in in that predicament because she, she surely she must do it to herself then because there's a, a bit, I can't remember when exactly in the episode it happens that she is trying to answer the phone but can't because she's got these big oven mitts on. But then you don't see the band mm-hmm. go, go back to the apartment at any point and subsequently tie her up. So if she did tie herself <laughs> up whilst wearing these oven mitts... I'm very impressed, but also questions about how how she was able to achieve that. Or did one of them just kind of pop back and were like, oh, she's being too much of a nuisance. Let's just tie her down to this bed. And I mean, she's pretty mad at the end because she misses this call, but she seems to be taking it all pretty well. But I, uh, questions, uh, is this 
is this torture? Uh, does she need help? Should they be arrested? Uh, <laughs> many questions at this point. Hopefully she can get herself out as well. I hope she's in the next episode. I'd be worried <laughs> if she isn't. She's going to be one of those people who just gets kind of found years later in their apartment and everyone yeah. in the band have gone. Uh, the band will typically be like, oh yeah, we hadn't heard from Joni for a few years, actually. We didn't think anything of it. Yeah, cut to a skeleton on the bed or something. <laughs> S Club 7 would not care. They would just be like, oh, well, what a shame. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) It all kind of kicks off when she finds these ants in the apartment. They're all sort of congregating in the kitchen because I guess there's some sort of mess in there that's drawing them in. And she she kicks off. She tells all of them, well, quite sensibly, I think, she says to them, you know, you have to keep this place clean or I'll evict you. Mm-hmm. Um, the band freak out at this point because they, they're just not adults at all. They just do what they want. And then if they get in trouble, they think about changing their ways, but they don't really think about it like in a kind of, um, in a kind of sensible way. Like they should be respecting Joni, giving them a place to live. Mm. And they, they all just kind of leave, don't they? Because she's like, do you need to tidy this place? You need to keep it clean. And they're like, yeah, 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 we do, don't we? We do. And they all just kind of rush out the door. Paul says something about like, I have to go and see a man about a goose. Mm-hmm. I think that's the sort of thing I would have found really funny when I was little. <laughs> so I don't, I don't blame him for that. Um, yeah. And Joe and Hannah are going on about how they're going to get some ants done because Hannah doesn't want to kill them. And and Joe goes, yeah, we're going to stun them and then set them free so they can roam on the beach and strut their stuff. And she sort of clicks her fingers in a sassy way, <laughs> which is quite out of character. Yeah, and it, it then led me to imagine these little ants just kind of strutting along the beach, which was a, a great mental picture <laughs> to have. But I think it, what's funny about this this bit is that, like you said, as a kid, I think we would have found this probably really really funny because they basically do act like a load of children they are not facing up to their responsibilities they are not paying their rent they just want to like have a good time and get up to fun things and hijinks and and maybe sing a song at the end but watching this as an adult I'm like this is very irresponsible and I really hope that no one is uh taking their advice from these overgrown babies because the solution (laughs) when someone asks you to pay your rent is not to run away (laughs) because someone (laughs) will come after you and force you to pay yeah funny what it what watching this show like as an adult does to you I think in terms of seeing things very very differently but it's I know it's all like silly and harmless fun and whatever but yeah this this is not sensible advice people Listen up, everybody. The terms of your lease say that this place must be kept clean or I can throw you out at any time. You're right. She's right. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right, Johnny. This place is a tip, isn't it? Paul. Yeah, yeah. um, It's a disgrace. There's pop everywhere. Yeah. Someone should clean it up. I've got to go and see a man about a goose. Where are you going? Um, um, to get some ant killer. We can't kill them. Stunner. Ant stunner. We'll buy some ant stunner and then we'll stun the ants, take them outside and then um, set them free. Yeah, to roam the beach and strut their stuff. But we'll have to spin them around first so they get dizzy and then they can't find their way back. That's just stupid. But it works. Need more milk. Me too. Oh, no, 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 you don't. No. 
Yeah, they all they all manage to get away apart from Tina and Rachel, who Joni sort of holds back. And the members of the band who get away do have a little bit of a moment outside where they say, oh, you know, we need to pull ourselves together. We need to stop running away every time the rent's due. John says something about, um, oh, our agent's rubbish. We need to get famous ourselves, which is kind of unrelated. But I guess it's this whole um, we need to sort ourselves out mentality. <laughs> and then, of course, the the brief moment of maturity just descends into them all just going, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. Like the children they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then rather than an actual sensible adult solution like maybe we should get jobs and pay the rent they're like let's make a film because that is (laughs) what we all think right when we're faced with our responsibilities of adult life and and rent and paying bills it's like let's just muck about with a camera uh for an afternoon that will fix all of life's problems (laughs) yeah paul comes up with this plan that they're gonna make a movie yeah, not sure how it's going to earn them any money or any fame, unless it's like uh, the room situation where it like <laughs> becomes famous for being bad. Mm-hmm. And also, like for a bit of context, a few episodes ago, I think it was episode eight, there was a whole subplot where Paul was trying to make a documentary film about the band. So this has kind of already been done. He had his camera out all the time in this episode, filming everyone, and they all hated it. Like, none of the others had any interest in making (laughs) this film whatsoever. But for some reason in this episode now, Paul is like, let's make a movie. And the rest of the band are like, oh my God, what a great idea. Yeah, suddenly really up for it. And maybe maybe they're just not a fan of documentaries. Maybe they're more a fan of this sort of action type film that they try and that they try and make. That's more their that's more their vibe. <laughs> but yeah, it <laughs> did not know that. Um now I kind of want to check out that episode just to see. <laughs> provide a bit of context around this one no consistency no <laughs> yeah it's such it's such an odd choice because they call it the ass club movie as well don't they and it's just not about them it's like a, a cops and robbers sort of thing and they've all got characters with their own names it's just very meta <laughs> yeah i personally would love to see that whole film uh i think we see a fair chunk of it in uh in this episode yeah but it absolutely looks like a a so bad it's good type of thing. Um, (laughs) Or maybe just so bad it's bad. I don't think there's any good in it. (laughs) So we get a scene where um, Joni is having a go at Tina and Rachel because they're the only ones left. And she says that if she got other tenants in, she could easily get twice as much money and a lot less hassle. And I mean, she should do that, to be honest. I'm not sure why (laughs) she hasn't already. She's got no real obligation to let them stay in her flat and treat her like rubbish um you know it's not like she's a relative of them or something she's just a person and she could have easily chucked them out by now and she should have yeah justice for Joni. she could absolutely do better than this bunch of jokers i i want i want the very best for her i gravitated towards her more than anyone else in the show so I hope she found some good, well-behaved tenants after she eventually kicked them out because she deserves it. Yeah, she deserves better. And <laughs> and this whole little plot takes a weird turn as well because the band almost get let off the hook, really, because it kind of 
turns into, oh, you're not really shouting at us because of the mess. You're mm. shouting at us because your boyfriend's dumped you. And it's kind of like <laughs> they just get out of it. Because, and Joni kind of goes along with it as well, like, yeah, that is why I'm angry. It's mm. like, no, the flat is an ant-infested mess. Like You do have a reason to be annoyed. It's not just the fact that your boyfriend's dumped you and you're feeling a bit emotional about it. Yeah, it's it's pretty emotionally manipulative. So not only do they potentially tie her down and torture her to an extent, but they also emotionally <laughs> blackmail her into letting them off the hook. So the true villains of this piece really are the band. <laughs> yep, as per, the, the band are not the good guys in this. No, <laughs> they're really not. And yeah, she's telling Tina and Rachel about, you know, how bad she's feeling. They look completely uninterested, rolling their eyes. She starts to cry a little bit and is saying like, oh, you know, the nicer you are to people, the more they take you for granted. And Tina at this point (laughs) snaps and goes, Joni, shut up. (laughs) And I died. I did not see that coming at all. It was so out of nowhere, just telling her to shut up. Yeah, this poor woman is just sharing her heartbreak and these people could not care at all they just want her to shut up basically so they can carry on with their day of not paying their rent or facing their responsibilities so it's it's really Mm -hmm. it's it's really harsh yeah tina this is perhaps an especially bad representation of tina in this episode i feel like she never came off that well um but this i don't know she either has absolutely nothing to do in this episode or is just really horrible and harsh so not a good not a good look this uh this episode for her yeah she's manipulative here she um takes it down that route of oh your boyfriend's dumped you so you've come in here and taken it out on us for no reason (laughs) and then she kind of she does a little bit of a u-turn and she tells Joni that they're gonna help her with her relationship problems Mm. and Joni is like why and Tina says because we like you and then Rachel starts sort of mouthing behind her back like what are you talking about? We don't like her. It's just so mean. And Rachel's usually nicer than this. It's just Tina's maybe dragging her down to her level. It's so harsh. Mm, yeah, I I feel very sorry for Joni. Um, and their solution to this is not to be recommended either, I feel. It's just like, oh no, you're sad. Let's tie you up and put some oven mitts on you so you don't call your boyfriend. It's uh... <laughs> You know, I could get twice as much money for this apartment and have much less hassle. Yeah, we realize that. I mean, I'm the one that's doing you the favor here. You guys came here with nothing. I put a roof over your head and this is how you repay me? Don't worry, Joni. We'll help you tidy up. You know, it's just always the same thing. The nicer you are to people, the more they take you for granted and the more that they exploit your kindness. I mean, you just do the best that you can. I mean, that's all you can do. And then somebody just ups and leaves you for another woman. Joni, shut up. This isn't about the state of the apartment, is it? What do you mean? It's your boyfriend, isn't it? He's dumped you. You're upset. So you come in here and take out on us and the ants. Is it that obvious? Yes. But we want to help you. You do? 
But why? Because... Good question. Because we like you. And But the other problem is a bit weird as well, because she's kind of implying that she's been dumped. Hmm. And when she's been talking about men in the past as well, it often seems like she's the one who gets broken up with or i think in the in the scene before she literally says like oh you know you're nice to someone and then they up and leave you for another woman so it sounds like she was the one who was left Mm. but then yeah her problem is that every time she breaks up with someone she always regrets it and then calls them so they get back together and then it's bad Mm. so yeah i wasn't expecting that because that kind of implies that she was the one who broke up with him it's it's a weird problem and an even weirder solution because yeah they're like oh we're gonna help you not call him and we're gonna do that by taping some oven gloves to your hands and i'm not sure how that's gonna work in the long run maybe for like a few hours but do you think she's wearing them for like a whole day or even longer yeah, I had questions about other daily activities that she would struggle to do with those oven mitts <laughs> on, primarily going to the bathroom. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I feel like that would be a real issue. Um, as someone who currently has one broken elbow, it's pretty tricky to do <laughs> to do things cool. without the full use of your hands. Um, so I, I, I could relate uh, to her plight, but yeah... Also, you can tell this is the the 90s, early noughties, because if this was now and she had a smartphone, she'd be fine because you can dial those things with your nose or, you know, a, a toe or yeah, something. Or so do like a voice command or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> be absolutely fine. But with this uh, archaic technology that they have in this episode, it's a real uh, it's a real problem for her not having the use of her hands. So. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Yeah, I love the bit where she's on the beach with everyone and then she just sort of whips out this enormous like brick of a mobile phone (laughs) and starts dialing and it makes a really loud dialing noise and the girls obviously take the phone off it but I like how she was trying to do it inconspicuously (laughs) like they wouldn't notice this huge phone that she's just whipped out yeah kids phones did used to look like that but I don't think that they made that louder dialing noise (laughs) (laughs) questions about the accuracy here but yeah there's no way you can make that uh inconspicuous the absolute brick that she pulls out of the handbag so (laughs) yeah it's like a home phone sort of noise isn't it that (laughs) dialing noise yeah maybe at the time the people who wrote it didn't know how mobile phones work they were quite uh new at the time yeah (laughs) so the band then start making this movie. John is the director, apparently. He's uh, put his name on the back of a chair. Uh, and this is where we, we get a montage to a song called Someday, Someway, which I found out was a B-side for Reach. 
And it's also a cover version of a song from the early 80s by a guy called Marshall Crenshaw, something I learned today. Well, that's a deep um, cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to be a cover when I looked it up. <laughs> and yeah, this this montage, they're kind of preparing for the film, aren't they? And I, I've written down, it feels like a sort of disappointing special feature on a DVD that you click on. Yeah, this montage was really the weak point of the episode <laughs> yeah. for me. I was just like, I... I really hope things pick up after this. I wasn't even sure if we would get to see the movie that they made. And obviously they're, they're making this big thing about them making a movie and that's how they're going to make it big in LA. And I thought if this montage is it, I'm going to, uh, <laughs> I'm ready to unleash some, some fury on the pod. But fortunately uh, we do get to see at least some of the film, but this it's a, a real choice this montage it feels very long yeah it's like the whole song it's not even cut short at any point yeah and really poorly filmed as well i guess that are they trying to show i guess that that, that this is like footage they film themselves it's sort of like the behind the scenes of them making the film so it's on this sort of really obviously camcorder type filming isn't it where they filmed it themselves or yeah it's yeah that's what made me think of like a a dvd special feature like it's a sort of behind the scenes thing Mm. but nothing interesting is happening like there was a montage a few episodes ago where uh john was trying to train himself up for an arm wrestling contest (laughs) And you've missed some real, uh, some real <laughs> gems. <laughs> and that montage had proper like visual jokes in it when he was training. But mm. this one just feels like a load of nothing for yeah. several minutes. Like the script just said, the band mess around while a song plays. And then yeah. they were just, they just kind of got told, do whatever you want. The only thing I really remember is Tina puts a load of lipstick on Paul's face and that's pretty much the highlight. Yeah, it it also I think we'll we'll get into this more when we're we're talking about the actual film that they make, but Tina just spends most when she's not being a complete terror to everyone around her. She just spends most of this film tap dancing. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we sort of see her in this montage like practicing her moves in a cowboy outfit inexplicably uh, and that is then her role in the film which is never explained i would like to add yeah but... <laughs> i think if we t- we can talk about the film now because that's what's coming next i think for me the whole thing had a vibe of like you know when you have to do a kind of school drama project or something mm-hmm. and with the tap dancing it's like oh someone <laughs> in the group can tap dance let's incorporate that somehow for no reason <laughs> Yeah, or they they were they thought about the cops and robbers, and they were like, "You, we need two robbers." Okay, great. You three or four be cops. What shall we do with you? Uh, you just <laughs> stand there and tap dance, I guess. Uh, <laughs> like the la- the the last person or the person who's picked last in a group or something, who they just don't know what to do. <laughs> they don't know what to do with. So they're like, "Well, you've got a spangly cowboy outfit. Uh, you just stand there and tap dance for no reason whatsoever." 
there's one point where the tap dancing sounds as if it's like a sort of tense soundtrack in the background like there's a conversation going on and you can hear her tapping in the background but it's it just doesn't sound (laughs) tense at all it's just it's very odd yeah another real choice uh that this episode makes the (laughs) the actual soundtrack uh used in the film the sort of really cheesy cop show retro cop show theme that they have playing with particularly in the police chase bit i thought was actually (laughs) was pretty good it's a nice i guess like well i don't imagine this was in any way intentional but a nice reference to sort of those kind of retro cop shows but yeah the the inclusion of the tap dancing in the soundtrack was a little (laughs) odd um and didn't really it (laughs) weirdly i've just thought of this as i as i'm talking but the there's a uh, in Chicago, there's um, yes, a bit Billy with, Flynn. Yeah, yeah, when he's like, <laughs> as a sort of like building up the tension. I think in the when she's in court or when she's about to go into court, and he's performing this really elaborate tap dancing number that works very effectively uh, because it sort of <laughs> cut, it sort of cuts between them. It has a point as well because obviously it is a musical, so there is a reason for tap dancing being in it. This does not have a reason for tap dancing being in it it doesn't add extra tension it doesn't do anything at all really it's maybe the strangest thing in this entire episode which is full of very very strange things so yeah yeah and as you said before it feels very like hmm we've got a person left over what what can tina do oh she can dance she can just sort of do that to just show off a little bit and then yeah. Bradley starts joining in with her, doesn't he? He starts dancing with her instead of joining in with the car chase. Yeah, which is strange because the so the the, the ones who are the cops are Paul, Bradley, Hannah, and John. Mm-hmm. And John is also the director. So when it gets to the bit where it is the police chase and they are chasing after the robbers who are Joe and Rachel, it you only see paul and hannah but yet all three of them got into the car and the reason why you don't see john is because <laughs> he's filming so why did i don't really know why john needed to be in it to be honest or he could have been the cop who was at the police station also known as their apartment <laughs> and then not been involved in the chase and then bradley could have been in the chase so he was involved in that scene because he like tina really has absolutely nothing to do in this film and once he sort of they tina is outside the the bank or wherever it is that they've robbed and he when he sees her he then just apparently forgets about the fact that he needs to pursue two bank robbers and spends the rest of the film just dancing along with tina (laughs) um (laughs) i don't get it and there's a there's one bit, isn't there, where J- you see John filming and he's behind the camera, sort of nodding to himself, like, <laughs> "Yeah, this is good stuff. We're getting here." <laughs> he's really yeah. pleased with it. Yeah, this is this is the Oscar clip, guys. We've really we've really nailed this. <laughs> I, I quite like the bit where um, Paul and Hannah are sort of in the police station together because I feel like they are both really trying to do is it sort of like a New York accent they're trying to do? Yeah. It's like like you got we gotta get the leads and all yeah. that sort of thing. <laughs> like a stereotypical New York cop 
type of thing they're going for. Uh, they're certainly trying, bless their hearts, but the accents are pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it did make me laugh when they've got a picture on the wall of the suspects and it's just like <laughs> a really crude drawing of Joe, of, uh, Joe and Rachel. <laughs> yeah, these are grown adults we have previously established, but yet that drawing is like something a child would do. It's literally just like a circle, two dots and a curve from a <laughs> Detective, do we have a lead on these bank robbers? Mm-hmm. Seems that they were two women. How do you know? Because witnesses said that they saw two women robbing the bank, so we figured that the robbers were two women. Nice work, Detective. Nice work. We found a stick of low-calorie gum at the scene, so I guess that one of them is on a diet. Mm, that reminds me. Lunch. I want Detective Lee and Detective McIntosh working on this case. But, but they don't get on with each other, Chief. Not my problem, Detective. I've been assigned as your new partner. I don't work with partners. You do now, McIntosh. Listen up. I work alone, all right? I had a partner once. Yeah, and what happened? I don't want to talk about it. Do you want to talk about it? No. Look, the DA seems to think that you could use a little help on this case about catching these bank robbers. Listen up, Lee. I don't need your help, all right? I knew a guy that said that once. Yeah, what happened to him? I don't want to talk about it. You want to talk about it? now and yeah when they're doing the car chase both groups uh they're using the same car i, I quite like that detail because obviously it's the band's car they've only got access mm. to one car so there's a shot of the robbers getting into the car and then after it there's a shot of the cops getting into the exact same car so clearly as the director john has like thought outside the box there <laughs> like we've only got one car so we need to just shoot the two groups separately and then put them together. Yeah, uh, credit where it is due. I commend the editor of their film, presumably is is John, uh, because <laughs> a pretty good job actually of like cutting between. They only show like the car interior shots when they're quite obviously using the same car, but the effect is that you think the cops are in pursuit of the robbers, but they're not at all because they're using the same car so like you said they would have shot one and then shot the other but the that bit is actually like <laughs> look at me trying to get some proper analysis into this but is actually <laughs> <laughs> quite effective because I think if it didn't show the shots of them getting into what is quite clearly the same car it would be a bit more believable that they were pursuing in separate vehicles but the bit where it is most obvious and I almost spat out my drink I laughed so hard was when the robbers sort of stop the car to then get out and run across the rooftops or whatever it is they are and then (laughs) then you see the cops pull up and obviously there should be another car there because they've literally just pulled up yeah (laughs) (laughs) and not only it doesn't even like make an effort to be like oh they pulled up just behind or something and and the other car was in front they pull up and park in the exact same spot <laughs> it was really stupid and i laughed a great deal at that. 
<laughs> it's so something i mean i'm a huge fan of the room so it's so something like one of these terrible continuity things that you would see in the room like when he closes the door twice or something or her hairstyle changes throughout the scene because he just hasn't taken the time and care to add in those little details or make it in any way cohesive so i thought that was very silly and very funny yeah we just need some pictures of spoons on the walls and that'll be it (laughs) i was waiting i was a spoon in hand ready to throw it (laughs) yeah after a while so they have a car chase and then the chase continues on foot they go up a load of stairs and it just sort of ends doesn't it because joe basically ruins a take by well john pins her against a wall and joe is kind of like oh get off me john that hurts and then they're all just kind of like oh is that it then are we finished (laughs) i don't really understand the logic like oh that takes ruin so shall we just finish the film now yeah i and then we don't really there's no purpose to making the film we don't then sort of see them like try and i don't know find find a studio to distribute it or have a little mini premiere for it or anything they're just like oh well that takes ruined uh should we go and sing a song uh (laughs) or they've got some like tape left imagine if you like went to see a band somewhere and they were selling merch and (laughs) it was like a dvd of a film they'd made and it was this oh my goodness i mean (laughs) that's the only thing that they can do with it i mean i don't know what they're planning to do with it but the only thing i can think of is they're gonna like sell it as merch at some of their gigs yeah yeah i mean there are many unanswered questions i feel in this episode in in general but the the actual reason and motivation for making a film is flimsy at best basically they they just want to have an excuse to muck about for an afternoon so they have a camera and acquire these outfits and they decide to make this film but i don't think they've really given it any thought beyond that um (laughs) and it does come to a very very abrupt end and again with not much memory of how this show generally sort of like the the format of the episodes is this a pretty common thing where they just the whatever events are happening in the episode that they then just go let's sing a song and that's how the episode ends is that common (laughs) yeah it usually ends with a song but it is usually a a little bit more connected than this like often they'll sort of like they'll do a gig somewhere Mm -hmm. like a local cafe or a party or at one point they sang at a prom Mm -hmm. and yeah here it's just it's almost like they've shot a music video and then just slotted it in at the end because um, yeah. and they don't even have a good reason for it. Paul is just like, oh, we've got some tape left. Let's do a song. <laughs> yeah, I not remembering much about the show at all. I was like, I can imagine that the majority of episodes just end in this way, where it's somehow then just an excuse for a an attempt at a music video. But yeah, this one sort of feels particularly shoehorned in. Like they really weren't quite sure how to get from making the film to then performing a song so the very abrupt end to the filming is then like well we have a camera so let's just go and like shoot this music video but yeah they clearly got in a a second director or someone else to film yeah it's a step up isn't (laughs) it (laughs) it's a real step up a bit of an upgrade on equipment uh, i think as well and uh 
yeah, more more attention paid apart from in Bradley's outfit, as we have established. <laughs> yeah, and the song is S Club Party as well, which like in the world of this show is quite an old song because mm. usually each series kind of follows an album. Sure. And so this was one of the big songs in series one. Mm. We're now on series two. So it's almost like they've kind of worked their way through all the songs from album two. And as I said before, it's kind of like filler, like, oh, let's just do S Club Party again. We've done it before in the show, but let's just do it on top of a roof. Yeah, I was glad that it was a song that I recognised at least because uh, my knowledge of their back catalogue is probably not what it used to be. So I was uh, at least happy to end the episode with a little bop. So that was good. But again, it's... it just kind of showing how disjointed and random this episode really is. There, There's no connection between that song and the events that we have just seen. So there's not even an attempt to tie in the song with the events of the episode or anything that we've, that we've seen. It's just kind of like, well, this is one of our most well-known songs. We've exhausted the catalogue of current songs. Let's just chuck this one in again. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we're all going to wear matching outfits apart from Bradley for some reason. Oh, it's so it's so annoying. It's such a small detail. And it's not even like he forgot the red or something and he was just wearing black. It's like he is the only one who is in an <laughs> entirely different colour and all the rest... I think John is wearing, like, white pants or something. Yeah, or yeah. Or a jacket. I can't remember. Someone is wearing white. But the rest of... The girls are all very clearly in, like, red and black. Paul is, I think, as well... John at least has some red on. I think he's red and white. Yeah. Um, and then Bradley's just in this like grey blue ensemble. Oh, it's it's really <laughs> annoying me. <laughs> yeah, Tina's wearing a nice sort of sarong and like a halter top, which I thought was very of the time. Yeah. And it's... lots of um baggy pants and mm-hmm. really tiny crop tops. Mm-hmm. Here's a here's a question. Of the of the four gals in this music video moment which one of these was closest to how you dressed in the 90s oh i don't think i was a tina i don't think i had the confidence to to pull off a sarong (laughs) and a leather Uh, bandeau top (laughs) (laughs) probably hannah she i can't remember exactly what she's got on in this one now but hannah throughout the series is quite like she'll wear a tank top Mm-hmm. And the you know those sort of big octopus trousers with like bits of material coming <laughs> off the pockets. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes she's got a bandana on as well. I think mm-hmm. that was that was me. I think. And yeah, Rachel is often in a crop top. Mm-hmm. Joe is a bit more sort of tomboyish in what she wears. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I'm a Hannah. How about you? I I think specifically thinking about this what they're wearing in this music video bit at the end of the episode definitely rachel she has this sort of like red and white sleeveless but yet with a hood top Mm -hmm. and i was like that absolutely looks like something i would have worn and thought i was really cool at the time (laughs) and then i think she's wearing some like probably flared slightly flared boot cut jeans or trousers something Mm -hmm. along those lines but um Hannah in this is actually a, a, like I think she's wearing like maybe flared or boot cut like dungarees and a red bucket oh, right. hat. It's pretty. It's 
it's a it's a strong look um i've definitely been paying less attention to these episodes as the <laughs> podcast has gone on <laughs> in, in series one i was like i need to write down every single detail and now i'm like oh it's s club party again i'll just look at my phone for a minute <laughs> yeah yeah i was uh, in awe of the the 90s early noughties ness of it all so i was i was really taking in those those outfits i mean rachel's outfit in right at the beginning that's a very cropped cropped <laughs> it's essentially mm. a bralette i was like this is yeah there's <laughs> a lot of midriff from her <laughs> and tina going on in the beginning of the episode <laughs> definitely so after the song we end briefly back at the house <laughs> with Joni still wearing these bloody gloves. And yeah, she's now also somehow tied herself to the bed or someone else has tied her to the bed. We don't know. And it's it looks like kind of just like rope, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, definitely getting misery vibes uh, from, <laughs> from this moment. Uh, it ended on a darker note than I anticipated as well. So you have this sort of high point with the... <laughs> upbeat catchy song that we all know and then it's it cuts back to that as the final <laughs> as the final moment and also it's quite sad and distressing to watch because she gets a phone call and it's yeah I was sort of like watching that bit like oh no like <laughs> I feel really bad for her and also who tied her up <laughs> yeah it's pretty bleak because her ex calls her again and leaves her a message on a huge answering machine which looks like a printer or something <laughs> and he's saying how he wants to patch things up because he loves her but but he's going away for a while it's all very confusing but mm. i think the implication is you have to answer the phone right now or you're gonna miss me yeah and she's kind of struggling and he eventually is like oh well and hangs up and she's like no and then <laughs> that's the end <laughs> fade to black yeah it's uh, very bleak yeah and i love that the the message that he's leaving he clearly doesn't know that she is tied to a bed with oven mitts on because that would be <laughs> weird but it, i really like how the message that he's leaving her is very clear that this is her only opportunity like if she does not pick up this one specific call he is going away because reasons she won't be able to contact him because further reasons i did think that was <laughs> despite the bleakness of it all that was quite <laughs> that was quite funny but did really feel for joni in this moment and it's, <laughs> it does end with her just being like no <laughs> and then that's it there's no resolution for her it's like i don't know and i i guess the episodes aren't super connected to each other either so i don't think we're going to get a resolution of, of that in a future episode um yeah poor poor joni yeah i just hope she's in the next episode because if she's not i'll be concerned for her yeah because yeah. i can really i can really see the band just forgetting about her forever now yeah she's that's just it. tied up in a in her apartment yeah she's dead to them now she's, <laughs> <laughs> she's gone <laughs> So uh, any any last thoughts on the episode any notes that we didn't talk about at all I think I think I've covered just about everything yeah wow what a what a treat it was to revisit <laughs> this thing from my childhood that I had entirely forgotten yeah <laughs> it's a real journey we went on I feel <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. So before we finish, uh, where can people find you on Twitter? And is there anything like your podcast that you'd like to plug? Sure. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Sarah Buddery. Um, that's B-U-D-D-E-R-Y. And you can find my podcast, which is called Let's Jaws for a Minute, where we do a minute by minute or thereabouts breakdown of the film Jaws. Um, so you can find us on Twitter at Jaws for a Minute or just search for Let's Jaws for a Minute wherever you find your podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.